from coast to coast to coast. You're listening to Terra Informa. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Terra Informa. If you recognize that music, you know exactly what this week's episode is going to be about. And if not, here's a clue. They're green, they're beautiful, and they live in pots in your home. I'm Hannah Cunningham. And I'm Andrea Miller. We'll be your hosts for the next half hour of environmental news and stories. This week, we're asking, how do plants make you feel? Before we begin this episode, we would like to acknowledge that this episode was produced in Treaty 6 territory in Amiskwichi-Wiskigan, Beaver Hills House, or so-called Edmonton. We are broadcasting from unrecognized Papaschase Cree territory. The Papaschase Cree were displaced following the efforts of local officials like Frank Oliver to discredit the legitimacy of their treaty right to this territory and to reserve number 136, now South Edmonton. Not confined to history, this region is also the present homelands of many other First Peoples who build their lives here, pursue livelihoods, and gather together, including Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, and Dene. Wherever you're listening from, we ask you to consider whose version of history informs your understanding of the land you are on. This week on the show, we're talking about the ways in which everything from your growing collection of houseplants to outdoor green spaces can give us a sense of calm, security, and contribute to overall mental well-being. Now more than ever, we are turning to urban green spaces and public parks, not only as a safe place to see our friends and family and get exercise, but also to feel mentally restored. But if parks are so beneficial for our mental health, then they need to remain safe and accessible for everyone. This year, we have seen parks become prayer camps and temporary encampments for the unhoused and continued solidarity efforts for those communities and their rights to these spaces. Here in Edmonton, organizers continue to hold accountable municipal and provincial governments who are not only failing to provide basic needs during a global health crisis, but who are also failing to uphold commitments made in the treaties. Have you gone outside yet today? Maybe you're outside right now, listening to this during your daily walk. For many of us, spending time outdoors has always been a healthy outlet and coping mechanism. But during the COVID-19 pandemic, our desire for more time in nature means that we are looking at the green spaces closer to home a little differently. No, like really close to home. This week on Terra Informa, we are talking about houseplants and exploring the connection between all things green, from public green spaces to your snake plant, and our mental health. For the millennial generation, plant parenthood is becoming increasingly popular. Sales of indoor plants have skyrocketed over the past few years. So what is driving this plant boom? With trends towards urbanization, many of us are living in tight spaces in busy cities, creating a sense of nostalgia for the green open spaces of childhood, and plants can provide a reprieve. 
Millennials have also experienced some of the most rapid and drastic changes in a generation. This generation lacks the same financial and housing security of ones before us. By giving us something to care for and nurture, houseplants can ease the fact that we will never own a home. Social media is also playing a role in the unprecedented growth and demand for rare and tropical plants. Many are now sharing recent acquisitions of their most aesthetically pleasing plants, and for some, plant care is a hobby with collector groups and communities popping up online. Here in Edmonton, the plant boom, along with a surge in support for local businesses during the pandemic, have collided at the Little Plant Shop. Established in 2012 and co-owned by Eric Gibson and his wife Sarah, the Little Plant Shop has grown in popularity as a destination for houseplants in Edmonton. My name is Eric Gibson and I'm co-owner of Little Plant Shop and we're just a houseplant boutique on White Ave that sells plants, plant decor, locally made wares and other cool interesting things. What made you want to get into the business of selling plants? Well, my wife and I have always been plant people. And when the plant boom began a couple of years or a few years ago, we kind of turned our hobby into a business and jumped on, on that train to see where it could take us. And it's kind of just kept going up and up because plants are becoming so popular, especially now with the pandemic and people are quarantined at home. Yeah, a lot of people are making little indoor oasises and jungles so they can ease these hard times. Visually being surrounded by plants in your home and the act of taking care of them can be satisfying and calming for many of us. Watering your plants is one small part of the larger relationship between our connection with nature and living things and our mental health. So I was wondering how do plants make you feel, especially since you're around them every day and you're working with them all the time. I feel pretty lucky to be surrounded by plants all the time because they do, they definitely help with mental health and just caring for something and, you know, something that looks beautiful always puts you in a better mood. People always come into the shop like, oh, I wish I could work in here. It must be so nice. I'm like, yeah, we probably have the greenest air in Edmonton. <laughs> so uh, we think uh, plants are good for mental health because like one, they beautify your house and make your house look so nice. And two, caring for them and nurturing plants is good for the soul. And it's almost like a form of meditation where you can, you know, clear your mind and just focus on what's in front of you. And they're they're nice because they respond back. Like when you care for your plants and check on them every day, they look happy and you can tell they're emitting, you know, good energy. But when your plants are sad, they let you know. And it takes a, it takes a trained eye to see when a plant's just slowly starting to wilt and you can run over there and give it some water and then see the joys of your efforts so yeah especially those um like the older plants you were talking about i feel like there's probably something so special and like heartwarming about like a plant say you've had for 20 years and just mm. seeing it you know thriving how do plants make you feel we know that connection with nature is good for us but that feeling is a result of changes happening on a biological level that we aren't even aware of. Time spent outdoors can lower our stress response and reduce the time for us to recover from mental fatigue, an idea known as stress recovery theory. Simply spending time outside can decrease anxiety, lower heart rate, and lower cortisol levels, which is our main stress hormone. Biophilia is a term that can explain our relationship with nature 
and its effects on our well-being. It describes the inherent tendency of humans to want to connect with nature and other living things. Biophilic design takes the idea of biophilia and brings it into the design of our built environment, incorporating the relationship between humans and nature into cities, communities, and workplaces. There are a number of physiological and cognitive benefits of biophilic designs and architecture, including stress reduction and enhanced creativity. In one study highlighting an example of biophilic design, living walls in elementary school classrooms were associated with higher test scores and more positive student classroom evaluations. Here in Alberta, on the grounds of the provincial legislature, the Edmonton Federal Building was, up until recently, home to the largest living wall in the province, a 2,400 square foot biofilter and showcase of sustainable biophilic design. Designed by Nedlaw Living Walls, the Living Wall Biofilter was completed in 2014 as part of the new atrium to the historic Edmonton Federal Building, originally built in the 1950s. A biofilter works like this. Using negative pressure, air is drawn into the living wall where the plants then remove pollutants and purify the air before it goes into the building's HVAC system, creating humid indoor air reminiscent of being outdoors. According to Nedlaw Living Walls, this living wall biofilter generates 700 liters per second of clean air, enough to meet two thirds of the needs of around 150 people through a process that uses 90% less energy and a fraction of the cost of conventional air treatment technologies. Together with a water feature, this layered piece of plant art and the fresh air it created contributed to a calm and inviting overall feeling in the new atrium space, a busy thoroughfare for provincial employees and visiting members of the public. But only six years following its installation, the Living Wall Biofilter came down on November 30th last year. The provincial government cited that the $70,000 annual bill for maintenance, pesticides and fertilizer was too steep. And after maintenance activities were suspended early last year, the presence of insects became a concern. But according to Nedlaw Living Walls, the wall could easily be maintained for a lower price and any savings on maintenance costs would be outweighed by the expense to remove the wall and repair its former place within the building, which they estimate would be upwards of seven figures. Honestly, we think NDP MLA and economic development and innovation critic Darren Bilyeu said it best, calling for the UCP to defund their energy war room, which would easily pay for the living wall, with room in the budget to deliver essential programs to seniors and other vulnerable Albertans. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Terra Informa, a production of CJSR 88.5 FM produced in so-called Edmonton, Alberta. This week, we are talking about plants. And while we may not have access to the once mighty living wall biofilter, you may have a couple of green leafy plant friends scattered throughout your house. How does sprucing up our spaces with green living things change our attitudes and emotions, especially during a tumultuous event like say a global pandemic? 
We're going to get into that, but first, here are some words from some of the Terra Informers on how their plants make them feel. Hello listeners, this is Sonic Patel coming to you from a room in my house that's now referred to as the plant room. Formerly a guest bedroom, the plant room now houses displaced flora from my office that I brought home at the start of this pandemic. One of those plants is this Monstera, which has been with me for a few years at two offices at the University of Alberta campus, where it existed as a cutting that was soaking in an old coffee pot. Since I was able to bring it home, I've since potted it, and it's now grown into a big, beautiful plant. You might know the Monstera as the Swiss cheese plant, called so because of its distinctive cutouts that naturally form in the leaves. And I can actually see that a new one has formed since I've last been in here. I love being in the plant room, not just to see the plants grow, or watch my cats play amongst the leaves, but also because it reminds me of some of my workspaces in the last few years. A living remembrance of some of the people and places that have meant the most to me. Thanks for listening. Over this past year, our homes have become our workplaces, our virtual classrooms, and our safe havens. All of these pressures on our indoor space may have compromised the restorative benefits that being at home once gave us. Finding ways to connect with nature from home and bring the outdoors in is one way to remedy those feelings. It makes sense that more and more people are expanding their houseplant collections to make their spaces calming and more inviting. Maybe you started expanding your collection to replace those long neglected plants that got left behind in your office when we first started working from home. Or maybe your plants were the first things that you grabbed on your last day in the office and they have now taken up permanent residence in your home, serving as a reminder of people and places from simpler times. Plants in our offices create healthier and more productive work environments and are associated with higher attention span, lower stress levels, and higher job satisfaction. Their air purifying abilities can reduce allergens and eye strain, and you might start to notice a difference in your air quality with as few as three small to medium sized plants. While we've all been staying much closer to home lately, you may also be getting outside and exploring your neighborhood or different areas of your city more than you ever have. The importance of outdoor spaces has taken on new meaning with the restrictions on indoor gatherings. Time spent outdoors in our neighborhoods can be especially beneficial with the family dynamics and added stress of being indoors. In a national report by Canada-wide public park advocacy group, Park People, three quarters of Canadians surveyed said that their appreciation for public green spaces has only increased during the pandemic, and many cities are reporting increased demand for their parks. In Edmonton, there are lots of public green spaces for you to check out. Here's a list of some of Eric's favorites for indoor plants. Make sure to bring your mask and check out the COVID restrictions before you go. Outside of your shop, are there any other local green spaces that you particularly enjoy visiting or places that come to mind that, you know, if you had to take a 
day to yourself to go explore some plants maybe outside the shop, where would you go? For indoor plants, the Citadel's nice because it's open and free. And there's a few floors of, of nice tropicals in there. The Muttart was nice when it was open, but it's closed now. It might be reopening, but they did major renos there. So that's a nice place to escape to and see some more rarer plants and, you know, stuff you don't normally see in the plant shops or greenhouses. U of A Botanical Gardens is nice too. They have a few indoor little like different biomes and stuff. So, and even Greenland just made a cool new um, area where it's all like planted up different biomes as well. I think they did four different. So oh. they're kind of doing what the Muttart did, but it's free, so. During COVID, a trip to a greenhouse like Greenland Garden Center can kind of feel like a vacation. You're not far off. A February 2021 study of more than 5,000 individuals from nine countries in varying stages of lockdown investigated the relationship between contact with nature and our mental health during the pandemic. The study specifically looked at the effect of blue-green spaces from urban parks and woodlands to water bodies like rivers and coastlines. These spaces are valuable for providing ecosystem services like habitats and soil formation. On top of all of those good things are cultural ecosystem services, namely benefits to our health. Time spent in nature is beneficial in countering the effects of exposure to air pollution, helping us recover from stress, and promoting physical activity. The study found that individuals under strict lockdowns had a higher chance of experiencing depression and anxiety, and that exposure to nature while at home was effective in reducing those symptoms. In this study, not all types of exposure to nature were associated with the same benefits to mood and mental health. More active forms, such as taking care of a garden, were more beneficial than passive forms. Quieter and more private outdoor spaces, like patios and gardens, were preferred to shared public spaces, where it might be more difficult to maintain social distancing. When you think about the time that you've spent outside over the past year, how do you feel? Did visiting your local park feel refreshing? Or did the slightly too narrow paths full of people just add to your stress levels? Is it difficult for you to imagine gathering in large groups outdoors in the future? The need for safety considerations and physical distancing is changing our criteria for outdoor spaces. If we don't feel safe in our outdoor spaces as they are currently designed, will this change the value we place on them and how we advocate for safe and accessible spaces going forward? And exposure to nature alone is not enough to buffer our mental health. Sociodemographic factors, physical conditions, and family responsibilities can all moderate the positive effect that nature has on our mental health. This is evident now more than ever, as the pandemic has disproportionately impacted many communities and has exposed the systemic biases in our healthcare system. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed how we think about things that we may have taken for granted before. The tree outside your window that you now find yourself sitting beside more often these days. The neighborhood paths and how they change throughout the seasons. And maybe the way that the morning sun hits your houseplants in just the right way during your morning coffee. 
In this episode, we talked about how these different connections to nature, from actively looking after a houseplant or a garden, to listening to the rustle of tree branches and the breeze on a walk around the neighborhood, and how they can have a positive effect on people's health, from countering the effects of air pollution to alleviating stress. Before we leave you this week, let's bring it back to the plants themselves. I'm guessing sad, wilting plants probably don't make people feel particularly happy. So we asked Eric, what's the key to success for new plant owners? His advice, don't get too carried away at the beginning. So do you have any tips on how listeners that might be new to plant ownership, how they can start to incorporate plants into their homes or indoor spaces? Mm -hmm. Start small. Like some people get so plant crazy, they just want it all so fast. They want to fill their whole space and then it's tricky because you have different water and light requirements and then there's pests involved and stuff like that. So start with the easy ones, the low maintenance ones like snake plants and pothos and ZZ plants, the ones that you can neglect and they just keep thriving. And then work your way up to more like finicky plants like calfteas and carnivorous plants and bonsais, all that stuff. People come in and they just want to start with a bonsai and then they kill it in a few days. And it's like, well, you did pick one of the hardest plants to, to care for because they need so much maintenance. If you're anything like me, you've grown increasingly attached to your house plants. You're attuned to their every need. And when they're not doing well, you take it more personally than you'd like to admit. And don't tell the others, but we all have a favorite houseplant. Tara Informer, Liam Harrop, shares with us the special connection to his favorite plant. Hello, it's Liam Harrop from Terra Informa. It's a hard question, the what is your favorite plant? Because um, I like so many. <laughs> Plants are so cool. Um, but I'm thinking about getting a tattoo. And I am thinking of making that tattoo a plant. So the plant I'm thinking of getting a tattoo of is a butterwort. In particular, the one in the Rocky Mountains. It's the only plant in the Rockies that's carnivorous, meaning it eats insects. Um, they're small, they're, the flowers are yellow, and the leaves are these little leaves but are covered in a sticky membrane that, you know, unsuspecting insects land on and are dissolved, eaten, digested. And that is so, so neat. Okay, like, it just makes me think that they're sort of like humans. Like, I know they're not, but they kind of are. You know, they're eating beings like us. And that is so neat. Um, Yeah, so that is my favorite carnivorous plants in Alberta? We're not so different from plants after all. Well, I'm a vegetarian. Let's hear from Eric Gibson one more time about some of his favorite plant species and something that you're going to have to keep an eye out for next time you visit the little plant shop. Safely, of course. My favorite plants are carnivorous plants just because they're so unique in their adaptations. They always amaze me and they kind of bring a smile to my face. But like anything big and old, like an old pothos or like an old banana plant, just something that's really large and taking up a good chunk of the house is always, you know, makes me feel happy and calm. Yeah. But uh, yeah. for favorite plants, you know, I like calfeas because they have the cool patterns on their leaves. Anything that's different looking and unique, 
But we do have a cool old devil's backbone in our front window that Sarah inherited when she worked at the university greenhouses and it's probably 20 years old. And this thing's almost bonsai and each stem is very zigzaggy and it looks really cool. And people are always like, I want a cutting of that or I want to buy that. And we're like, that, we're hoarding that one. That one's ours. To cap off this episode, Andrea and I are going to share about our own favorite plants. So, hi, it's Hannah. I have a room right now where I have more houseplants than I ever had, I think, which is not a lot, but I would have to say, I think I have two favorites. My first one is I have a friendship plant that I got several years ago at this point. It's grown pretty big and it's in the same tiny little pot that I put it in when it was much smaller, but it seems to be thriving in there. I'm sure it's very root bound, but uh, it's doing very well. And I have uh, one, two, three babies that I've taken off of it. And I think there are at least two more babies that I have given away to friends and loved ones. So. And then my other favorite plant is, I think I'm pronouncing this right, Diaphanbachia. It's a very tall, sort of tree-like, tropical-looking plant. And my dad got it. Uh, he brought it home from his work when they were moving offices because I think it was just going to get thrown out. So he brought it home and I actually saved it recently uh, from my mom's house because their new kitten had been peeing in the pot. So I rescued it, I brought it over to my place. We repotted it, changed out the soil, rinsed it off. And it's, at first it wasn't doing too well, but now it's kind of thriving and it's gotten like three new big nice leaves and it almost reaches my ceiling at this point. So it's pretty impressive. And I think my room would feel very empty without it now. But yeah, my plants are a very special part of my room to me. I love when my window, which is east facing, gets the morning light and it lights them all up. So yeah, those are some of my favorite plants. What about you, Andrea? Hello listeners, Andrea Miller here to share with you a little story about my plants. Like many of you, I made a recent pandemic plant acquisition. I thought at a time of such panic and uncertainty, a new plant was the perfect purchase. I selected a Peperomia Hope, and my roommate at the time picked up a money plant, Pilea Peperomoides. Together we sat on our front step and potted our new additions into new pots with fresh soil. It became a daily ritual to check on their growth and check the soil moisture and prune away the dead leaves. My roommate also gave me a clipping of this money plant which I've watched grow from a single stem to an array of many leaves. We've all since moved, and both of these plants have now tripled in size. They sit side by side on my shelf, a daily reminder of that time and of the growth that has taken place over the last year. Now, if you asked me about the unique light and watering needs of my plants, I wouldn't have an answer for you. My approach is to simply check on them every day and try to show them the same warmth and light that they bring me. Thanks for listening. That's all the time we have for this week. 
We've been your hosts, Andrea Miller and Hannah Cunningham. Thanks for listening. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all of our content is created by a team of volunteers. Special thanks to our guests this week. You can check out the Little Plant Shop at their website, littleplantshopyeg.com, and on Instagram at littleplantshopyeg. And thanks to the Terra Informers for sharing their favorite plant stories with us. This episode was written by me, Andrea Miller, and Hannah Cunningham, and produced by Hannah Cunningham. You can reach us for comments or questions via our email, tara at cjsr.com, or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Terra Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Catch you next week, right here on Terra Informa.